Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We are excited to tell you about our upcoming Southeast Founders Conference here in Cape Coral uh, on the law and the gospel. It's December 5th through the 7th. Uh, you'll be preaching, Tom. I will be. I'll be preaching. Dr. Tom Nettles of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary will be preaching. We would love for you to come down and join us. Uh, we're going to have a tour of this uh, studio so you get to see where we do the sword and the trowel. A lot of exciting stuff planned. December 5th through the 7th, you can register at founders.org. Yeah, the topic is vitally important. You know, if you're not straight on law and gospel, then you're setting yourself up to be played in a lot of ways, which we see going on in the church today and certainly in our culture as well. So this is an important conference. I encourage everyone to come. Also, I want to give you a little update on our film that we are producing as founders. You know, it's interesting, uh, Jared, we get a lot of uh, emails and uh, contact and messages other ways, and, and there are people who don't want this film to be produced. Uh, there are folks that are saying, look, man, cut your losses, uh, pull the plug, don't do this. And it's interesting to listen to their reasoning. It's all scare tactics. It's as if we've done something immoral or doing something that will be uh, problematic for good people. And so you should not ever do anything like that, which we have been up front from day one. Uh, we have not done anything that we need to be embarrassed about. Uh, by God's grace, we have been able to talk to folks and some of those folks say, okay, don't use me in the doctor documentary. Um, all, all kind of things have happened. But along the way, there have been enough folks that have realized, man, what you guys are doing and what you're saying, what you're producing is important enough. We want to support it. And we're grateful for that. We've actually gone just above 50% of the financial support that we need to bring this thing to completion. We, we've had people ask us to translate it into different languages. Uh, we've got folks that are very interested in when it's going to be released. We're trying to plan a special uh, release that hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to announce, but we're grateful for everyone who supported us. Thank you for that. And if God enables you to help us financially to bring this film to completion, we would appreciate that as well. Just go to founders.org, click on the doc uh, link there, and you can get more information. Yeah. And a special thanks to our Founders Alliance members, those of us who support us monthly, you're building and fighting along with us. And we're especially grateful. Um, if you have not joined up, you can do that by going to founders.org. We have regular content going out to those fan members um, routinely. And uh, we've got some more interviews that we have done and that we're looking forward to uploading there soon. Some, some more content just for those who are Founders Alliance members. Well, we want to get started today by talking about uh, Josh Harris's recent renunciation of the faith that he did on Instagram. Yeah. And uh, this happened, I think, a few weeks ago now, and it's been grievous. Um, you know, I remember growing up, and I think it was my sister was reading uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye by Josh Harris, you know, yeah. and um, very popular pastor for some time. And he came out on Instagram renouncing the faith, and uh, I think there's a lot to learn from what he's done. We're grieving that he's done so, uh, but the way that he did so illustrates something about the way that we <coughs> slip away from the faith. A number of phrases came out in his statement. He said, uh, I'm learning that no group has the market cornered on grace, and he talks about receiving grace from uh, people who are straight, grace from LGBTQ people, grace from ex-evangelicals, grace from atheists, grace from Christians. 
And so, you know, immediately I was thinking, well, you know, maybe he did in certain ways, but I'm wondering what what definition he's using for that word grace. Mm-hmm. What is grace in his mind? Uh, he talks about repentance in the letter. He mentions Martin Luther said that the entire life of believers should be repentance, but then he goes on to say, I'm re- my repentance is repenting of my former teaching about um, uh, marriage being between a man and a woman. And so he embraces the LGBTQ community as he does this. And he says, Christians, I'm grateful for your prayers, but, um, you know, I, I can't join in your mourning. He says, I don't view this moment negatively. I feel more alive than ever before, more hopeful. Yeah. And so what seemed to me, he, he uses the language of a shift in his faith, and it does seem like that. It seems like there's a slippery slope toward the renunciation of the faith. It's not like Josh... Uh, went to bed one night, a faithful Christian, loving the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then woke up the next day and uh, renounced Christ publicly. Right. Yeah, and uh, what he calls repentance, the scripture calls apostasy. Uh, sadly, uh, he, he is an apostate, and he may not like that language. He knows the language, I'm sure, because Josh has taught the Bible for years and has uh, read it and obviously studied it. But apostasy is something we're warned about in the Bible, and we have examples given to us historically. There's been a lot of thought given to this in the history of the church. Uh, two of the teachers that I would highly recommend is John Owen being first and foremost. He written a, He's written a little book on the uh, nature and causes of apostasy. apostasy. Apostasy from the gospel is the shortened title of that. In fact, that's been put in modern English. I think Banner of Truth has a modern English version of it that's a little bit uh, condensed and easier to read. And then also John Bunyan, who addresses this in Pilgrim's Progress. So apostasy from the faith is not something that should shock us because we're warned about it. We, in fact, we're, giving war- we're given warnings in the Bible so that we will not apostatize. And then we have examples given to us so that we will tremble in fear that we don't follow that course. So this is what's going on. It's not repentance. Mm-hmm. Repentance is when you stop doing what God forbids and start doing what he commands. Yeah, it's, it's enlightening that as he renounced faith, as he walked away from Jesus, he embraced the LGBTQ community. And Rosaria Butterfield has recently said, um, she says, look, I'm ecumenical. I like people from all different religions, but gay Christianity is a different religion. Right. And she's, she is very helpful the way she spoke about this because she's understanding something about the worldview of this particular community. It's not just a it's not just a particular sin, and, and all sin is this way in some sense, but this is especially this way in the way it's formed into a community. It's a whole other worldview. And even as, if you look at Josh's renunciation on Instagram, um, it does have this sense of, it's kind of laced with niceness, this, mm. this road, and with acceptance in all peoples, this kind of, we're all together here in I've realized that my old way of thinking about the world you know, has been deconstructed, and I'm now right. bought into this this kind of um, um, all is well, you know, all is joyful. I was thinking about what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 8 when Israel said that they wanted another king. They wanted a king like the nations. And in doing that, they were just rejecting God. God was king. Uh, his law was the standard. Uh, his ways were the ways that everybody were to follow. But they liked the pagan ideas of the nations around them. And they said, we want a king like the nations. And uh, God said to them through Samuel, if you do this, if you reject me as king, you know, he says, you, he says, Samuel, give them what they want, but tell them what's going to happen. And the answer was, you're going to become slaves. 
Yeah. This this king that you're going to set up over yourself, he's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to take your servants. He's going to take your grain and your wine, that is your sustenance and your joy. And he's going to use all of your stuff to aggrandize himself. And I laid that over what Josh said here. Josh uh, says, you know, no, I'm, I feel more joyful and I feel uh, more alive than I've ever felt before. Well, what's God's word say happens when we reject God and we accept another worldview, another a philosophy contrary to Christ. We're not going to be richly blessed. It's the same lie that was played on Adam and Eve in the garden. You're not surely going to die. Mm-hmm. This is going to bless you. Yeah. yeah, so his feelings, thinking that he's liberated in reality, uh, what's going on, if we take the Bible's definition and we examine what's happening through biblical lens, he is enslaved. Uh, he has fallen away from grace. And Owen actually talks about the Israelites in his little book on apostasy. It's an exposition of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, one of the warning passages that we have in Scripture. But what Owen does, and also what Bunyan does, is to give a, uh, a clear warning about, from the Bible, how apostasy happens. I mean, if you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, you need to read read Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is because of how clearly Bunyan describes apostasy. There's a lot of lessons in the book, but Christian and Hopeful are walking together toward the end of, of, of the first book or first part of Pilgrim's Progress. And they're joined by this guy, Ignorance. And so they're telling their testimonies and Hopeful tells his testimony and Ignorance gets all alarms. Well, you know, I, I don't, have any of that and so he says i can't walk with you guys anymore and christian takes the opportunity then to explain apostasy and let me just give you the the bullet points of what uh, bunyan does in that section of pilgrim's progress he says here is how apostasy happens first you draw away your thoughts from remembrance of god death and the judgment to come i mean i wonder you know what does what does a person think about? I mean, if you think about death, one day you're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. And what's Joshua Harris thinking about death and the things that he's taught and believed? He somehow has had to shut himself off from that. Secondly, you slowly stop private duties like closet prayer, curbing your lust, watching for temptation, sorrowful sin, sorrowful sin, and the like. As you said, nobody goes to bed a faithful, warm-hearted, devoted Christian and then wakes up the next morning and says, I renounce all this. Mm-hmm. It happens gradually. And this is a this is a warning to every believer. How, I've gone through it, no doubt you have. Every Christian is tempted to leave off just the normal means of God's grace. No time to read the Bible. No time to pray. And you think, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And you notice one day it's been weeks. And those things should alarm us because this is the way we live. This is how God keeps us alive. Thirdly, Bunyan says, is you turn away the company of lively and warm Christians. So you quit congregating together with God's people. You don't want to be around those who are devoted to Christ because there's an uneasiness that comes in comparison of yourself to them and recognition they have. They are living in ways you're not living. Fourthly, after that, he says, you grow cold to public duty as hearing the word preached, reading the Bible, godly fellowship, and the like. You just continue on this path. Fifth, you begin to pick holes in the coats of some of the godly and do it maliciously that you may have a seeming excuse to throw the Christian religion for the sake of some sin you have seen in others behind your back. So, well, there. look at them. 
you know, that, yeah, look at this guy. He's a Christian, and look at all he does. And it justifies your own sin. He goes on. Then you begin to adhere to and associate yourself with carnal, loose, and immoral men or women. Seven, then you give in to carnal and immoral discourse in secret, and you're glad if you can see such things in anyone else that is called Christian. That way you can commit your sin more boldly through their example. And in our day and age when we've got internet pornography carried around in your pocket and it's easily accessed and you do it in private, this particular step is one that, uh, that is readily available. The de- devil has made it so accessible to us that you can fall into it quickly. And if you're in it, man, get out of it. Find help. Don't continue down the pathway. Yeah, this, um, and I think uh, what Harris has written is, is insightful for Christians that are wanting to um, press on in the faith and endure until the end. Take note of the spirit of the age. He, 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 many people have uh, claimed to be Christian and then walked away from Christ, but the right. spirit of the age um, is this, this postmodern idea of, of acceptance and this non-binary way of thinking, and it's tied to the LGBTQ community, and it's t- laced in the language that he used in his Instagram post. So He's, beware of this, uh, you know, no heaven, no hell, no creator God and no creation, no saved and unsaved, all of that binary kind of language, no male and no female, and all of that all that binary language isn't right, and I'm going to accept this kind of um, uni- unified way of thinking and all accepting of all that there is. And that's this is the fruit. You know, Joshua Harris has, has expressed the fruit of what happens when you buy into that ideology, a very Eastern way of thinking. Right. Um, and I'm concerned that there's there there's ways that that non-binary approach is coming in uh, yeah. in, in other ways. So it, stand guard. And it looks nice. I mean, it, it comes across nice. It's applaudable. People have applauded this. Christian and unbelievers, progressive Christians have applauded this. And it, it just comes across like, oh, this is what Jesus is like. Let me give you the last two steps. We'll end with this of Bunyan's step or a pathway to apostasy. He says, after this, you play with little sins openly. And then finally, being hardened, you prove yourself to be as lost as they are, thus being launched again into the gulf of misery, unless a miracle of grace prevent it, you will perish forever in your own deception. So we should be praying for Joshua Harris that a miracle of grace would come to him. He'd be restored to that which he formerly professed. Amen. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a book, On Earth As It Is in Heaven. This book by Wyman Lewis Richardson, uh, subtitled Reclaiming Regenerate Church Membership. Founders Press publishes this book. We'll be discussing it when we come back. Founders Ministries held its first conference in 1983. Since that time, we've expanded the ministry to produce books and journals and have regional conferences and fraternals to have a study center. Uh, We've done multiple things here in the United States and around the world to seek the recovery of the gospel of God's grace and the reformation of local churches. Our desire has always been to facilitate healthy church living. We want to resource pastors and church leaders. We couldn't have done that without financial supporters through the years. We've never made a big deal about financial support. We've never made great appeals for financial support. But we do need 
financial resources to do the things that we are doing. We are grateful for those who stood with us, and we would be delighted to have you come and join us in this ongoing fight to see the gospel of Jesus Christ maintain its pride of place in Christian thinking and in our Christian churches. Uh, We've established this new way of giving called the Founders Alliance Membership. I invite you to become a part of the FAM with us. There are different levels at which you can give to become a monthly supporter, or if you just like to make a one-time gift, we would welcome that as well. Uh, There's a big fight in front of us. We have a great concern that is arising among our churches and within the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. And we would be delighted to have you stand with us, to unite with us, to join arms with us in this fight. Uh, Thanks for your support. Pray for us. If the Lord enables you to invest financially in this ministry, we would welcome that. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trowel. And in this segment, we want to talk to you about a book by Wyman Richardson, On Earth as it is in Heaven, Reclaiming Regenerate Church Membership. Founders Press published this book in 2011. And it is a wonderful handbook for pastors and church members to think through what God has called us to be as followers of Christ together in a local church. Uh, the book's been commended by folks like Jonathan Lehman, uh, who says this is a solid, solid guide into membership practices. Danny Aiken, who says that he wants this to receive a wide and careful reading. And in the book, what Lehman does is describe the problem of our churches today that are filled with unregenerate people. And then he lays out the biblical foundation and case for regenerate church membership. And then he gives seven practical steps in the last section of the book on how you can begin to work to recover regenerate church membership in your church. And and that's one of the huge needs we have in the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. You know, the SBC claims 15 million members and, uh, about half of them we know anything about or can ever find, and yet we continue to boast in this. And so I would say to pastors, especially church leaders, if you have a church where you have more people on your role than ever show up, then you ought to get this book, read it, and especially pay attention to the very practical guidelines on what do you do. You know, I think a lot of pastors recognize the problem. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we recognize the problem um, I don't realize, I don't think we real recognize how bad the problem is. Yeah, they know there's gotten, a problem. We've gotten very used to hearing the phrase, we have 15 million Southern Baptists and about 7 million people in church on yeah. Sunday. We, you know, that is a, that's a stat. It's a fact that anybody that's going to be a faithful investigator has to say, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, yeah. why? Why is that the case? And when, you know, as I've looked through this book, On Earth As It Is in Heaven, uh, the practical sections in the back of the book are very, very helpful, where he says, this is what you need to right. do. So you might understand the idea of regenerate church membership as Baptists. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to baptize believers, and then we're going to practice some kind of church discipline on the back end. But what am I supposed to do in practice? So as soon as you try to bring that to practice, guys are thinking, well, this is going to be problematic. Yeah, when I absolutely. really think about church discipline, I'm actually going to have to confront sin uh, in people and then deal with it in a public way in the congregation, it's going to have to come about. If right. it's a public, grievous, um, habitual kind of sin. And I, I just think there's a lot of people that haven't done that for various reasons. We're not going to even deal with that kind of thing. We're, what would happen to our church if we did do right. that kind of thing? And so this would need to be implemented with wisdom mm-hmm. and with patience. 
but it really has to be implemented. We have a massive problem of right. being unwilling to deal uh, with sin as it comes up. And if you're unwilling to do that, well, it's the problem is then we're not dealing really with the gospel <laughs> of Jesus Christ, the grace and the mercy of God that covers us. Yeah, what, do you, what are you doing as a pastor? And, and Wyman writes as a pastor. He's a practitioner. He's a good thinker, a good theologian. But he's a pastor of a church in uh, North Little Rock, Arkansas. One of the things that I've thought about through the years about uh, the lack of regenerate church membership in our Baptist circles is what would this t- same type of scenario mean for a, a very an, an industry like General Motors. Mm-hmm. If General Motors produced automobiles, uh, one of two, one out of every two, five years later, even ten years later, didn't work at all. One year later, didn't work at all. We would at some point say, "Hey, you need to figure out what you're doing wrong and repair it." I mean, imagine if uh, one half of all the hamburgers McDonald's sold made you sick and die. You know, they'd be shut down. But we got churches that in our evangelism are producing members, 50% or more of which can't be found a year later. I mean, that's a North American Mission Board stat that they did several years ago in some research. So what do we do? As Christians, what do we do? Well, we need to go back to the Bible. And I would just say as pastor, as church leaders, we need to repent if we're not doing what God's called us to do, to shepherd the flock of God, to commend Jesus Christ in a way so that when a person embraces Christ as we've instructed them to do, they don't become a new creation in Christ Jesus, then we're not doing it right. Yeah. If you're a pastor of a church and you know that you say, okay, our our membership roles are far higher than the people that actually come to this church, uh, I highly recommend you go get this book. Go to founders.org, purchase this book, start here, read this, but then you're going to need help and counsel and wisdom. If say you're in a rural area and you don't know a lot of people, uh, we've had people call uh, founders. We've talked and counseled to a number of people. Where do I start? What's the first steps I take? How do I help people in the church? Because your job is to not just just implement this from the top down right away as a pastor of a church, but to teach people the idea of what the church is and how we're to operate as a congregation. So feel free to give founders a call. We'd be happy to resource you anyway as we seek uh, reformation in the congregation. When we come back, we're going to be considering the commands of God as they're revealed in Scripture, looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and what it means to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. It's not even new to Southern Baptists because Satan does this. He is constantly telling you you should be guilty when you're forgiven. He is constantly asking you to live with regrets when the Father has taken all the sins of the world. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trowel here in the third segment of our podcast. We like to consider the law of God, the commands of God. Uh, When we are saved, we're saved by grace through faith apart from works. Uh, But that faith uh, has works with it. And uh, when we say, how then shall we live? Well, we should live according to what God has revealed in his word. And one of the commands that we see is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And the command is to pay much closer attention, which is striking just the way it's worded. The idea that that, that there is a real temptation that we would not pay close attention. I have Mm. children, you know, from like 10, 10 and down. And, you know, I can tell when I'm there trying to give some kind of instruction or my wife's giving some kind of direction, there's a glazed look. It's like, well, yes, you're getting maybe about 50 or 60% of what I'm saying, but there really is a call to 
pay close attention to uh, what's being said. And this is true of what God has revealed in his word. Hebrews 2.1, the whole thing says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It's not something, uh, you know, when a boat's drifting in the water, uh, every hour, if you look, well, you can't really tell that there's been a lot of movement. But, you know, one day, two days, three days, one week, that thing's going to be miles and miles down uh, the river. And that's the way it works with us. So we are to pay close attention to what God has revealed to us in his word. Yeah, the author is just finishing the first chapter talking about the superiority of the Son, Jesus Christ, to angels. And so because the salvation we have comes to us from the very Son of God Himself. We need to uh, really turn up the sensitivity that we have to what is revealed to us about the salvation. And again, sometimes I think that in our day and age among evangelicals, there is almost this uh, simplistic, automatic sense of salvation. Look, if you say these words, you say this prayer, you do these things, then you'll be in and it's all there. No, uh, we need to be in Christ. Christ needs to be formed in us and repentance from sin and faith in Jesus Christ. It has a starting point, but it is an ongoing relationship. Those are ongoing duties to repent and believe. And you don't, you're not going to do that if you're not paying careful attention Mm -hmm. to the things that have been revealed. Mm -hmm. And that warning, lest you drift away. Yeah. This command uh, has a way of stretching out. I think about it stretching out for my life, you know, um, in the necessity of paying close attention. Uh, Thinking about how that takes uh, a lot of work. So yeah. you know, part of me goes, boy, I'm tired. You yeah. know, you feel like. <laughs> Aren't you glad you paid attention 10 years ago? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, I paid attention and, you know, and I am listening. But just the call to pay closer attention, it's asking more of us. And it says, yeah. oh, man, I, I'm just growing weary. And yeah. the call is, it really is an endurance race until the end where we can say with the Apostle Paul, I have finished the race. Yeah. I've kept the faith. And right. There is now this crown laid up for me. Uh, so, boy, when we find ourselves sluggish. May God give us grace and yeah. we call out to him, help me to heed the word. When I'm doing this individually, doing this uh, when I gather corporately with the congregation, doing this in fellowship with other Christian friends that can tell me the word of God and I can pay attention to what they're saying. And practically what that means is not any huge, miraculous type of experience. It is read the Bible, pray, turn from sin, trust Jesus, take God at his word, and do it again tomorrow. Amen. And just keep going. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. Hey, if you tune in here and you benefit from what we discuss, let us know about it. Send us an email. We appreciate those encouraging words. Like it and share it on social media platforms. Uh, thanks so much again for listening to The Sword and the Trial.